When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What You Need to Know is brought to you by Morongo Casino Resort and Spa. Good times, less than 90 minutes from wherever you are. Laura, what do you got? All right, guys. So, you know, opening day for the Dodgers is today. Unfortunately, I cannot be there. But if you are, please have a michelada or a tequila for me. But what you guys do need to know is that there are new spots to eat at Dodger Stadium. As you guys know, I hate the new Dodger dog, so trash that thing and go to other stuff. They have aguas frescas. They have um, on the field level, a reserve level, and the L.A. deck. They, of course, have the Dodger dogs, which, like I said, eh. But they're having a new Louisiana hot link introducing it this season. I don't know if I'll try it. They also have tequila time on the reserve level, twisted tato stands. I don't know if I'm saying that right, but pretty much like uh, potato tots, like with bacon and stuff like that. So I'm kind of excited. I'm going to the game on Monday, and I want to try that. So if you guys are not a big fan of the Dodger Dog, because, you know, like I said, I keep trashing it. Sorry, not sorry. Go and try new stuff because there's a lot of new cool eats at Dodger Stadium. I always like that. I always like that when when you when a new baseball season starts and the ballpark and the organization is trying to make your experience that much better. And then they come in with like, hey, here's all kinds of new stuff, reasons for you to come to the game. I think that's awesome. And I'm curious now. I, I am I'm definitely curious about some of the new things. Although we did argue the Dodger dog a lot last year. Yeah, and the Dodger dog doesn't taste any any different. Mm. Still doesn't good. taste any different. So when are we gonna do our the, first show Dodger game? Maybe we'll wait till after the NBA finals, George. Yeah, I can't do anything until after the NBA finals. So there you go. I literally am going to live, be living out of a suitcase until the NBA Finals. What so. do you got going on? You got to travel the whole country doing, like, games for ESPN? Is that what's going on? <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm just I'm, I'm flying around for just for my health. Well, I mean, you tell me. Are you sidelining? Are you, are you turtlenecking? Are you play-by-playing? Are you radio? Are you TV? I, I, I don't know what I'm you're doing, doing nowadays. All of the above, Scott Kaplan. All of the above. <laughs> oh, I thought you were working for somebody else. I didn't know you were working for ESPN. No, who else does the NBA Finals? <laughs> Uh, I'm just teasing you. Uh, well, I'm glad to have you back, man. I'm glad you're back yeah. on. Uh, I'll tell you where we started. You ready? Tell me. Okay. Uh, we were talking a little bit. Uh, still, there's a lot of anger out there, George, on this, what I'll call the Kershaw controversy. I really good. thought, I really kind of thought it was going to die down like no big deal. What It happened, it happened, and everybody had an opinion yesterday. But, man, like old school baseball players, position guys, pitcher guys, they're all like furious with Dave Roberts about the decision to take Clayton Kershaw out. And we've, I've kind of looked at a whole bunch of polls that have been taken about it. Most Dodger fans, it seems, agree with the decision. I was talking about DodgerBlue.com. 56% of people polled said they agree with the decision to get him out of there. But I was, I was listening today to, uh, oh, gosh, um, oh, man, who is it? Uh, David Wells, who was a one-time Dodger pitcher, short period of time, but still. And he called, uh, he said it was a blank move. I don't want to say the word blank, but imagine a guy named Richard. It was a blank move. Man, people are pissed. Dude, 
what do we care if Clayton Kershaw doesn't care? Like, this is the epitome of the society we live in, where everybody wants to get outraged over the dumbest and smallest thing, no matter what it is, okay? They just want to get outraged. They're upset with their own lives. They're upset with whatever is happening in their own lives. They, they feel something or another is going wrong, and they need to lash out at someone, and they're just using this they're all their pent up frustration on this Clayton Kershaw thing, which is the most innocuous thing ever, especially if he's OK with it. Who gives a rat's you know what? Well, here's the thing. You ready for this? Lindsay and I had this whole conversation earlier today. She doesn't think that Clayton Kershaw was OK with it. She thinks that Clayton Kershaw was just being a good soldier, doesn't want to rock the boat, doesn't want to create controversy, doesn't want to come off as looking selfish. By the way, Lindsay, am I misrepresenting? What well, I'm, I'm, what I'm saying is, like, you said, oh, he doesn't sound like he's all torn up about it. And I feel like he does sound disappointed. And I think, kind of like, like, like John said, the decision should have been left up to him. And I don't think he's the kind of person that's going to sit there and bash the manager or bash the, bash the decision and say, well, I wanted to stay in. Like, I, you know, I fought with him and he's not going to argue with Dave Roberts about it. I feel like if he was, it was up to him and he was given the decision, hey, do you want to stay in? If you want to stay in, then you could stay in. I think he would have stayed in. But I don't think that's how it went. And I think that he's just, you know, going along with it because Clayton Kershaw is not the kind of guy who's going to start drama. And not only that, it's five games into the season, like, you don't need to start stuff like, you know, and have it linger over you the whole season and have issues. So I feel like he was just kind of saying what he was supposed to say. Well, to me, when Clayton Kershaw said after the game, um, if I would have forced myself back out there, that's a selfish thing to do. His word was selfish, and it's the right word. But to me, he said that. And then the other thing that stuck out at me was Dave Roberts said, Clayton Kershaw has earned the right to have the discussion with the manager about what he's going to do. And I don't think Clayton Kershaw fought hard to go back into the eighth inning. I think Clayton Kershaw was thinking to himself, look, I know it's a perfect game through seven, but the reality is it's my first start, and I know my body, and I'm at 80 pitches, and the most I've thrown so far in a simulated game is 75. The smart thing to do, the thing that is not about ego, the smart thing to do, the team thing to do, is for me to get out of this game right now. We're up. We're going to win. Um, so basically, we're just calling everyone a liar. Is what we're doing here? That's just that's. The, Wait, that. I didn't say he was lying. I just said that I think he was like like Cap said he was just kind of being a good soldier and just kind of saying, okay, whatever. This is what you want to do. You need to do. That's fine. I'm cool with it. I I don't think he was. It was a bleep move. I don't think that, you know, like Fergie Jenkins saying, like his arm would have to be broken for him to get pulled out of the game. I don't think he was that adamant about it. But I think if he was given the chance, if he was left up to him, he would have stayed in. And I think he's just kind of playing it, playing it cool. Why and, do we think he wasn't nice given a chance, though? I just don't understand why we don't think he was given a chance. I feel like Dave Roberts went down and talked to him. Dave said Dave after Roberts the game, said exactly what he said. And he said, well, I'm going to take you, you know, 80, whatever, 85 pitchers or whatever, that's enough. And so then, then he took him out. I don't think he came out there after the seventh inning and was like, you know, or asked him after the seventh in the dugout or whatever, like, hey, do you want to go back out there? I think he just decided to take him out. Yeah. You know, George, this is the thing that's blowing my mind about the whole thing, though. Really. Like, it's it's the fifth game of the season. It's the guy's first start. And I really would have thought that the news cycle would have flushed this story. Like, okay, it happened. People had opinions about it. People tweeted about it. That's the end of the story. Here we are now, uh, 36 hours removed from the decision, and people are still 
sending out angry tweets, whether it was Reggie Jackson yesterday saying, hey, get the non-baseball people out of the way. Dave Roberts, a non-baseball person. David Wells today saying it's a blank move. David Wells and Dave Roberts, man, those two guys are old school. They go back together. So I'm just surprised at the amount of venom there is over the situation. I understand the magnitude of how many baseball games have been played in the history of the game, how few of perfect games there have ever been, and the opportunity that Kershaw had. But nobody's thinking about the timing of it, and nobody's thinking about who the player is. And the injury history. I'm, I'm just shocked that there's still so much anger about this. He's been... <laughs> He's been hurt for five straight years. Like, what are we talking about here? We're talking about people's anger over pulling again, out a guy. But Scott, Scott, we're talking about people's anger, right? And that that's what I said earlier. It's people's anger. People, we, I swear to God, man, and I, 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 I truly believe this 100%, that people are just so fed up with whatever's going on in their life, whether it's the pandemic, the last two years, the, just the changes everybody's going through, um, whatever it is, right? Like, there's everybody's got their own little things and idiosyncrasies and things that they have to deal with. And I just think that when something like this happens, I think people get a little extra because they just like have all this pent up frustration and they just want to unload on something or someone. I'll give you an example. Okay. Today, as I'm driving, oh, I'm sorry, as I'm walking out of the garage at LAX. Okay. Uh, I'm, I'm waiting at the garage. And I'm waiting at the crosswalk to cross to the terminal side. The, uh, the, you know, the light changes and I can cross on the terminal side. And, you know, on at LAX, how they have those, sometimes they put like cones mm-hmm. to like cone off, like where the buses come through for the rental car or whatever, you know, or the hotels or whatnot. So there was this cone in the way. And there was a guy who, I, I don't know if he worked at the airport. I don't know if he had maybe spent the day at the airport. Uh, because God knows how many flights have been canceled over the last couple of weeks for one reason or another. The guy was clearly visibly upset as he was walking. And he's walking, and he smacks one of those cones right into the middle of the crosswalk in the middle of the street. <laughs> and, and I'm like, and I, and I, I must have, like, my face had to have, like, had, like, you know, said a million words, right? Like, you know, it was probably priceless, my, the look on my face. I was like, what just happened there? And he looks at me, and he's like, you pick it up. And I'm no like, way. No, he I did swear, not. He did swear not. Swear to God. Swear to God he said that to me. And I was just like, I went, what? Like like, like that, like confused, like turned back around. Because he was already past me when he said it. And he, he muttered something else. I could not understand what he said. Like, it was inaudible. Um, and I just was like, you know what, man? That dude has had a rough day. I'm just starting my day. That dude has had a rough day. And you know what? I'm just going to pick up the cone. Who gives a crap? And put it in two feet in front of me where it's supposed to go. Oh <laughs> because you know what? That dude clearly needed to vent and take his frustration out on something. And I was the target. It just so happened to be that, even though I didn't know who he was. <laughs> um, and, and I was just fine with it. And what I would say with this is that this is kind of that, too. This is David Wells thinking, you know, selfishly like how he would think, or Ferguson Jenkins, not putting themselves, not being empathetic, and putting themselves in the shoes of Clayton Kershaw, who is a guy who's just been brittle over the last five years. And they're trying to get him through what could be his last season in a Dodge uniform in a season where they don't have a lot of pitching, and they just, uh, you know, they're trying to win a title. Like, that's more important. 
you know, David Wells, who's my guy, by the way. I love Boomer Wells. Um, he did pitch a perfect game I know. in his career. In Yankee Stadium, yes. Right. And the, the, the story goes. And the he was legend, drunk. Right, but the legend goes. Or hungover, That he, he showed up the next morning. He yeah. was, he, according to him, he was really hungover. He had the sweats. He had the shakes. And as I recall, the story even goes further. I think, I have to go really research this, but I think he was wearing a hat that was Babe Ruth's hat because he has a super extensive like baseball collection of like really expensive stuff. And I think he was wasted hungover and wearing a Babe Ruth, authentic Babe Ruth hat, and he threw a perfect game May 17th, 1998. So at least with Boomer Wells, where he's coming from is, dude, do you understand that a perfect game makes you a legend in the history of baseball? He's already a legend. He's a Hall of Famer for sure, you know? But Scott, that he's the greatest moment, pitcher in Dodger history. I understand. Like that, I, yeah. he, he doesn't need to have a perfect game on his resume. I know. But the, the notion of when are you ever going to get this chance again? Probably never. Probably never. There, there, Scott, there's only been 13 of them in the history of the sport. So how many, how many starts have there been? Probably the, a quarter uh, of a million? Yeah, I think the answer is it's like 25,000 baseball games, and there's been 23 perfect games, and there's only been two guys no, ever. No, there can't be 25,000 baseball games in the history well, somebody, of the sport. Some, somebody can do the – It I has can't. to be like closer to like 250,000. It was all – 250,000 games. Maybe that's what it was. Passon put out a tweet yesterday about that exact thing. Um, and, and the only two times in the history of baseball where a pitcher pitching a perfect game was taken out of the game – both of those times were Dodgers. Both of those times were Dave Roberts' decisions. So that's right. where all of this, like, criticism is coming from, you know, is all the statistical information that says it's such a rarity. How did you not give him a chance? But I, I put it on Clayton Kershaw. I believe that if he really wanted to go back in, he would have fought to go back in. All right. Well, we're going to have to fight here because we're going to have to go to break. How about you take us to break? Because you're the one like that has like a real setup and I'm just doing this thing on my phone today. <laughs> All right. Beautiful. Hey, listen, um, I, I said this earlier, George, and I, I ran it by Mace. But when you look around, I know, you you know, just to kind of finish off the week here. I know it's only Thursday, but of of Laker talk, the notion of will Russell Westbrook find somewhere else to go? And the uh, the anonymous GMs that talk about how he's not a player that other teams want other than maybe to just deal with him for a year and get rid of his contract. I'd love for us to get into that a little bit. I mentioned to Mason. I don't know. I know you were flying. I mentioned this is to like Mason. a really, really long tease, by the way. <laughs> OK, just so you know, I'll go to break right now, but I will I will pull the tapes of your long teases. It's Sedano and Cap on 710 ESPN. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. All right, Sedano and Cap on 710 ESPN. Sedano has made his way to Miami. We got him finally. We got him all connected, ready to roll. We got the Homish Bucha back and ready to go. George, you good? Yeah, I'm good. You good? Yeah, so hey, listen, you're down in Miami because I you've mentioned it a couple times on the air this week about doing the University of Miami's spring football game, right? Mm-hmm. 
I am literally, as we speak, so if I, if I sound distracted in any way at any time, I am watching my son's spring football game right now. So oh, at uh, what's the school he goes to? He goes to a small school called West Liberty University. It's a Division II football school, transferred from Saddleback College in Mission Viejo, and this is his Matt, first year there. Okay, so this is a new school because, right, Saddleback was yeah. the school you had mentioned previously. Yeah, yeah. and I'll tell you right now, i got to be honest with you. Like, I'm a little freaked out because earlier – it didn't go well. I, I mean, I know this is like their first time all working together, and I don't mean like they've been working in the spring, but we are 0 for 2 on field goals here in the game and 2 for 2 on PATs. So it, it was a very bad start for my, my guy, you know? Now, is he competing with anyone? He's not. because That's why they recruit a junior college guy because they need somebody to walk through the door and start when you're a Division two school. I mean, yeah. just, just fielding a team is hard enough. Sure. But um, – but I, I will say I'm happy that he's gotten it back together because when you start off at a, a football game as a field goal kicker and you miss two field goals, I mean, your whole head could fall apart. So, thankfully, two missed field goals, two made PATs. They just threw a long touchdown pass. We're going to get another one, a third one now. So maybe the confidence will start coming back. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, I wholeheartedly. I mean, it's look, man. You know, you get, you get one to go through the uprights, and then you feel good about it, you know? Yeah, yeah. All right. So listen, George, there was a piece that was written, um, and I talked to you about this yesterday. Uh, this was Bill Oram in The Athletic. And one of the things he talked about with the Lakers was the front office dysfunction. And I brought this up to you yesterday, that in the last five years, they've changed um, head athletic trainers three times, head um, strength coach three times. And I was telling you yesterday, I'm like, dude, I didn't realize it was like this. And then take a listen to this. You ready? During the season, the Lakers hired a new PR director. You know this, right? Um, I do. This guy came from the San Diego Padres. I do. I met him. He's a very nice gentleman. Guess what he just did? What? He just just resigned from the Lakers and went back to the Padres. Wow. Now, Now, again, you're talking about three different strength coaches in five years, three different head athletic trainers in five years, and a constant turnover in the public relations department, it's starting to paint a picture organizationally. Again, to, to use the word dysfunction, we've we've heard about it and we've seen it manifest on the floor. But man, this, this just seems very strange. All the things you've been talking about this week about you know bring in more brains, bring in more minds, bring in people that do analytics work and so on. Man, the Lakers' whole front office situation it does seem very disjointed. Well, look, sure. the, the the gentleman who was the PR guy, I believe his name was uh, Craig Buechner, Um, really nice gentleman. But I'm sure there there could have been more than just the basketball thing. It could have been he missed San Diego and L.A. just wasn't for him. Right. Like it could have been just that it doesn't have to necessarily be um, that it was the Lakers problem. Although, to your point that, I, you know, when he took that job towards the end of the season, my initial thought was, boy, is this uh, this something you you know you're stepping right into you know not an easy job yeah, <laughs> or right. situation to step yeah. into, um, but it, you know to be fair we don't know of course what was behind that of course you know? and look listen if if the guy said hey L.A.'s not for me and I like the lifestyle in San Diego okay that's fine if the guy decided you know what I'm not a basketball guy I'm a baseball guy okay right. that's fine too yeah. there, but I guess what I'm trying to say though is is that when we talk about like retention of important components to your organization. 
when you lose all these strength coaches and you all these uh, athletic trainers and all these PR people, I mean, it all plays a role. You know, the, the, you're not you don't have consistency in your training room. You don't have consistency with you, the way you train the guys with your strength coaches. And by the way, you need the message to be consistent as well. And you you're changing out PR people. I'm just it, it's the picture is being painted and it's it's looking worse than it might actually be. But it's out there is what I'm getting at. It does. It does. It just adds to the picture that's being painted uh, that there are certainly some challenges there. I don't think there's any doubt. Look, it's why we did all week long this week. I've been sitting here telling um, you and anyone who would listen, including them, that I I want them to succeed. We all want them to succeed. We're partners here. And and again, I'll repeat this, as I said the other day, I know that LeBron's first year that uh, perhaps we were a little, uh, you know, we were very disappointed around here on the air, the talent for sure. Like, and perhaps we maybe went too far in that disappointment, but I felt like it echoed what the fans felt like. Um, I don't think there was any question. It was palpable back then of the disappointment. And, And again, much like this season, Cap, that season was one of those where from the get go, you felt like, oh, man, this is not going to work. Because that was the year Magic put a team together with, you know, Michael Beasley and Lance Stevenson and, like, basically the anti-LeBron team. Like, got a bunch of guys who couldn't shoot. Magic was talking about wanting to put tough guys on the roster. And it was just like, what are you doing? And I was very vocal about this isn't going to work. <laughs> um, and then LeBron got hurt, and it made it even worse. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was never really the same player after that because he had that groin injury. But what I would say is when I've been sitting here all week, you know, saying, well, look, I'll give you some free advice. I, I say that not being, you know, passive aggressive. I say that being honest that, you know, I, I'm look, I'm not Jerry West, but I've covered this league for a long time and I've covered a lot of teams. Okay. I've now been around a lot of teams in 20 years and I've seen how a lot of different places work internally. And I think that there are some things they could do differently here that will maximize the results that they'd like to achieve. Mm-hmm. Listen, I, I understand what you're saying. I, many years ago, I would tell people all the time, I'm like, listen, the Green Bay Packers, they don't have an owner per se. They don't have a multi-billionaire owner. But I'll tell you this, if you ever went and saw how the Green Bay Packers have their facilities in this little teeny tiny town, you'd be like, this is the most state-of-the-art, world-class training facility that I've ever seen. And then you go to other places, and, and you go, this is like a high school locker room. And so the teams that put their money into those kinds of things are the teams that usually win consistently. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I 100% agree. I don't think there's any question about that. And I think that that's kind of what I'm alluding to, is that when I, when I used the phrase the other day, you can't cut corners, And having a small front office, I think, is perhaps cutting corners. And I I understand that, you know, Rob Palinka previously, and Ramona said this when we had her on the other day, on Monday. She said, you know, Rob Palinka had a small shop when he was an agent. He didn't work for Wasserman or CAA or whatever, you know. And that's 100% true. So he's used to working in a small environment. But I'll tell you this. That's not how the NBA works. Um, He was a great agent. There's no question about that. I'm sure if he decided to be an agent again, he'd still be a great agent. 
Uh, he's been a pretty good GM at times. And I would say, you know, again, I, without knowing and not being able to parse what is his idea and what's not his idea. Uh, but at the end of the day, it all has to fall on him at this point because he's the last guy left. Like, right. you can't blame Vogel anymore. Nope. He's the next person with the bullseye on their back. So as much as I think he's very he's good at his job, I, I you know, I, I think the results have been mixed. I don't think anyone could deny that. At least the bottom line says that. So I, I think that having him, and by the way, I'm not saying for Jeannie Buscap to go out there and be like, hey, uh, Rob, you know, I'm going to put this person in the front office for you because uh, we've agreed that person X needs to be in the front office right below you or right above you or whatever. Not that I think above would happen, Cap. But I'm saying, like, go be collaborative. Like, just say, hey, we, we want to expand the front office staff. Uh, where do you think and this would be what I would, if I were Jeannie, what I would advise her to tell Rob, we want to expand the front office staff. Um, you lead that, you lead that charge. Let's find some people to help you. Uh, and that way we can all achieve our goals of winning a championship here. Yeah. And, and let's retain our people, you know, let's put somebody in place and, and make it so that they don't want to leave right away. And let's not turn all these, pl- these are important positions, trainers, yeah. strength coaches, PR yeah. people. It's important. Yeah. Agreed. It's, it is important. And you know, you know, being having um, stability certainly matters. I don't think there's there's any question about that. Hey, Radio Tinder is right around the corner. This is Sedano and Cap on 710 ESPN. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sports book of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, doesn't want to start their day with a fresh hot waffle tonight la quinta tomorrow you shine book direct at lq.com all right guys so i'm gonna start with everyone on the show's favorite topic my cleveland browns and baker mayfield right oh god bingo Bingo. Bingo. by the way today's his birthday but i'm not gonna wish him a happy birthday because whatever i'm petty your quarterback anymore right and i'm petty like that So Baker did not hold back about his career and his relationship with the Cleveland Browns during a podcast appearance this week. He said, quote, I was told one thing and they completely did another uh, when he was talking about his team's offseason moves, including the controversial trade that brought Deshaun Watson to the Browns. When directly asked if he feels disrespected by the way the Browns handled the situation, he said, quote, 100 percent. Do you guys think Baker should feel disrespected by the Browns? Swipe left or swipe right, Cap? I would say that he should feel disrespected by the Browns because they disrespected him. So I'm going <laughs> to I'm going to swipe right. Yeah. yeah, they disrespected him. Right? I mean, think about it. Like they drafted the kid number 1 overall and before he even is done with his rookie contract, they're like, "Oh no, you're our guy. We actually 
we actually really appreciate that you gave us every game this year with our hurt <coughs> shoulder. So, That's hey, funny. you're our guy. And then they went behind his back. They went and recruited Deshaun Watson. Then they signed Deshaun Watson and gave him this crazy guaranteed contract. Yeah, everything they've done has been to disrespect Baker Mayfield. Yeah, I'm going to agree with Cap on this one. Uh, swipe right, but only because of the way they handled it, not because of all the stuff of him being a first round pick or first overall pick, all that. I mean, he played like crap. I know he played through injury, but he didn't play all that great in the previous years. Like, he had one good year, basically. So I don't blame them for that. It is a business. But the way that they, they went and, uh, you know, went about it, I think, is the bigger issue I have. But well, you know, for, one, one other thing, though. Here's the thing. What about Chewy? What does Chewy think? Yeah, well, Chewy. Chewy agrees. He, yeah. he agrees with me, at least. Well, here's the thing. Here's what Baker Mayfield needs to do. He needs to grow up. And you know why I say that? Because this is the NFL. They do this to almost everybody. Right. And it's a business, you, and they don't care about your feelings, buddy. Right. Why you think that you're above this or you're, you're better than this? They've, they've done this to guys who are way better than you. Right. Oh, for and sure. 100%. For what it's worth, Andrew Barry did say that like he regrets the way that Baker found out about it because I guess – there was like a plan to meet with Baker and his people. And then the information got leaked out probably by like Watson's agents, I'm assuming um, by the media and Baker found out about it on Twitter. So, you know, it's not like they meant <laughs> no, no, for it to happen, yeah, but yeah, it's like, well, that's how Frank Vogel found out about anything on Twitter. Right. Like that's ridiculous. You know, well, that's life. You know, it's a business, but anyway, all right. Well, earlier this week, Kim Kardashian and her sister, Chloe documented a family trip to Disneyland on their Instagram stories. While their IG posts paint the picture of perfection, other Disneyland guests have offered a very different perspective. Multiple people have posted videos that revealed the Kardashians had not only skipped the lines, but they also made other guests wait so they could have the ride to themselves. While it's not unusual for VIP guests at Disney to jump the lines, do you think it's necessary to run the rides completely empty so the celebrities can be alone? Swipe left or swipe right, Sedano? Um, unless you're the president of the United States, I would, uh, that's my only exception to this. So I would swipe left. Like, you know what? It's okay. It's Disneyland. Like we're good. You can do the ride with everybody else. Okay. You can have your own little boat or your own little car or whatever, or a section. If you want to even be separated by a couple of cars or boats or whatever in the particular ride, that's fine. But like to have like the whole ride to yourself and let people have to wait even longer. Those lines are pretty long. And there are people there who also have fast passes and all that stuff. I, I don't love that particular move. I would uh, I would swipe left on that. Only, a... if, only if you're the, a president, a sitting president, or a former president of the United States are you allowed, in my opinion, to get that for security reasons. There's a really funny picture or, or video where it's just two teacups that have the Kardashians, like Kim and her family one and Chloe and the other one, and there's nobody else on any of the other teacups. And there's just a crowd of people outside staring at them to the point where the kids aren't even enjoying the ride. They're just kind of looking out at all these people staring at them like, what the hell? You know, this, like this it's actually, a very bizarre scene. This this whole story actually kind of irritates me, like to the point where I, I'm going to I may have like a physical manifestation of anger about this whole situation. Do you realize that you can pay absorbent prices to cut the line? You could go to Disney. And they can, they can hire somebody who walks you and your family around all day. You never wait in line. You cut every line. You go underground, whatever. There's a way to do this. This is the way really rich people do it. 
You need you can't be on the ride with other people. And by the way, it's not even the request that upsets me. It's the accommodation of the request that upsets me. I'm with George, sitting president, former president, security issue. I got it. The Kardashians, I'm sorry to explain to everybody, including them. You're regular people just like us. Yeah, and I've seen much more famous people riding on rides at Disneyland with other people. Like, it's the Kardashians. Like, they're... I mean, the fact, though, that they're just, you know, like I said, the the, the, vi- the image, the visual of all the empty teacups except for theirs and all the people staring at them is very bizarre. So mm. it's just weird. Weird situation. Yeah. All right. So last one here. A superhero super fan in Florida recaptured a Guinness World Records title when he went to see Spider-Man No Way Home in theaters 292 times. Ramiro Alanis estimated that he spent about $3,500 on tickets during his record attempt. So Guinness's rules required Alanis to remain in his seat with his attention on the screen for the entire film, including the credits. He was not allowed to look at his phone or take bathroom breaks during the showings. Do you guys ever go see movies in theaters more than once? Swipe left or swipe right, Cap? I'm going to swipe left and say I don't. I have a hard time seeing a movie in a theater for the first time, let alone a second time. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> right? I mean, yeah, like, that's a good point for uh, right? you. Like, I'm like the guy who doesn't even go to the movies, but I have gone to see two movies recently uh, in a theater, which makes me very proud of myself. But I would never go see another movie, uh, a movie twice in a theater. Like Steve Mason, who was with us earlier today, when he has like an extra hour of time, he'll go catch as much of a movie as he can that he's already seen. Oh, I just wanted to see a little bit of time. I was killing time, so I went and watched. I would never do that, ever. And I don't understand why somebody would want to see the same movie 250 times and spend $3,500. Okay. I, I don't mind seeing the movie multiple times. I, there's a lot of movies I've seen a million times, but I just, I've only seen them once in the theater though, for the most part. I mean, maybe if it's when I was younger, like I saw a movie and it was like a blockbuster and then like maybe some of my friends hadn't seen it. Maybe there's an occasion here or there where I saw one for a second time, but very rare, so much so rare that I can't remember um but i mean i like watching movies a million times like i'll give you an example uh and again not in the theater um so i'm also swiping left on that wow i'm agreeing with cap way too i know listen you're finally coming around to my way of thinking you're getting smart man (laughs) you're such an idiot (laughs) but the uh what i would say is i love watching movies all the time like i'll give you an example i was uh i I mean, I still have cable. Um, and honestly, you know, I think when it was a key the other day, we were talking about this with, we're like the cable bundle now in retrospect, way right. cheaper. Way all you guys out there who wanted a la carte. Well, here you go. Yeah. Now Cord we're, cutters. Uh, you know, we're all spending a ton of money basically. Um, so I, the other day I was flipping around on stars. Uh, I came across the American president with Michael Douglas. I love that movie. Anytime it's on, I will stop and watch. And there's certain movies like that. I'll flip around if Pulp Fiction's on. I'm going to stop and watch. Uh, You know, I said, you know, you made the reference to it yesterday. Kill Bill, the first one particularly. Volume one, that scene, you have no idea what I'm talking about. Let me guess, you've never seen seen Kill Bill. I've seen Kill Bill. You have? Yeah, believe it or not. Do you remember the scene with the crazy 88? Not really. I've seen it, but not in a long time. That's and it didn't the scene register with where me. she, where Uma Thurman takes out the entire uh, Yakuza uh, gang or mafia right. or whatever Japanese okay. mafia, where she fights Lucy Liu at, at the end. Yeah, all right. You know that scene? Yeah, I'm, I'm remotely re- familiar. Yeah. I mean, how do you? I have no it? idea I saw, what you're talking. No, no, no. About. Hold on. I saw the movie. Yeah. I only saw it once. 
It's unlike a Pulp Fiction that I've seen 500 times. That's all. Only one thing. Why can't you see that one more than once? I didn't love Kill Bill. What? Yeah, I didn't love it. I would say after after um I would say after Pulp Fiction, my favorite Tarantino film is what's the one with uh Jamie Foxx? Um, is it called Jenga? Django Unchained. Yeah, that's probably my my favorite with one with Leo DiCaprio too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Maybe um, maybe Reservoir Dogs, pretty good. Yeah. Kill Bill yeah. though, I don't know. Kill There's... Bill is awesome. Yeah, I only saw it once. You should watch it again. Yeah, maybe I should. You're a weirdo. How many times do you think you've seen it? Easily a hundred times. Really? Easily. And there's there's more than one Kill Bill, right? There's a volume two, yes. But I don't like volume two as much. The hmm. first one is a great movie. Like it's definitely a great rewatchable. I mean, a mi- well, right? It, yeah, it, very in very Tarantino fashion. There's just so many like different segments of it that you can pick it up from anywhere and be totally fine. You know, I was just about to watch an old movie again who I, that I haven't seen in a really long time. Uh, it's called Midnight Express. Have you guys ever seen that movie? Yeah, with uh, Robert Duvall. Uh, yeah, w- this is the one about the Turkish prison, right? The guy's walking, mm-hmm. in, he's in Turkey, and he's going to get, like, he gets busted for having hashish on him or something, right? And he's, yeah. he winds mm-hmm. up spending his life in a Turkish prison. Right. I was just about to rewatch that movie. And then I was like, you know what? It's two hours. If it was ninety minutes, I'd watch it, and I haven't started it. But I'm I'm gonna rewatch I mean, that movie. What movies are ninety minutes these days? Um, I mean, even the back cleaner. then, like, there's the cleaner, not a lot of ninety minute movies. The cleaner was ninety minutes. That's why I watched it with Samuel L. Jackson the other night. The cleaner. The cleaner. Yeah, ninety minutes. Listen, Samuel I L. love Samuel. L. Mm. Okay, he's one of my favorites. But even I look, there's just a couple movies of his that I wouldn't watch. Like I'm never watching Snakes on a Plane. Okay, never seen never. it. Never, never gonna watch that ever. As a matter of fact. The my snakes on a plane story is actually great. I remember being um, probably my early 20s when that movie came out and we all went to the theater. We went I was out with a bunch of my friends and we were all just like hanging out like a sports bar watching games or something on like a Sunday. And they're like, oh, let's just go to the movies, the movie theater next door. I'm like, oh, what do you want to watch? Oh, let's see. Let's just go over there and see what they got playing. So there was either it had boiled down to snakes on a plane or. Little Miss Sunshine, which is what I recommended. Have you heard? Have you seen that? Is Little Miss Sunshine is um, is that Dwayne Johnson? No, that? bro. No, no. not isn't even. There a, isn't it a football movie, Little Miss Sunshine? No, no Greg Kinnear is in the movie. Oh no, I don't know. Yeah, no, no, no. Little Miss Sunshine. <laughs> what movie are you talking about? I don't know. Little Miss. Are you talking about or Little other? Giants? No, I'm talking about Little Miss Somebody. He's talking about the one where <laughs> no, the daughter. Little Miss Sunshine is amazing. Like oh, really? an amazing movie. And I had no idea what it was, but the cast looked great. Alan Arda, uh, Alan, um, Alan Arkin. Arkin I'm yeah. sorry. Arkin is in the movie. Um, Greg Kinnear's in the movie. It was great. And I watched that thing. We had no idea what it was. We watched it. We howled of laughter. It was one of the greatest movie experiences I've ever had because we literally had no idea what we were getting into. And it was absolutely hilarious. Better than Snakes on a Plane, apparently. The game There's plan. no question. I Well, I don't know because I've never actually watched Snakes on a Plane, but I'm not ever watching a movie called Snakes on a Plane. Hmm, Steve Carell in this movie as well? Steve Carell yeah. is also in the movie, yes. yes. It's good. It's great. Oh, The Game Plan. Thank mm-hmm. you, Laura. The mm-hmm. Game Plan. Is that is that Dwayne Johnson and some little girl? Yep. Yeah, see? Mm-hmm. I just wasn't close, that's all. I mean, it, not even in the same stratosphere, really. The game plan versus Little Miss Sunshine. But I tried, George. Did we lose George? No, he just has no response. Right, he's just got nothing for me. 
I thought you were talking about the Tooth Fairy movie because that's the only one I could think of with Dwayne Johnson and the little girl. No, this is the game plan. Okay. Anybody yeah. ever see the game plan? Nope. Missed me that neither. one. No, nah, me neither. I didn't see it either. But I thought that's what George meant. Cute little what, girl. Wait. Dwayne Johnson. Yeah, it's good. No, that's not the movie, though. No, I realize that. Yeah. But I found the movie that I was thinking of, the game plan. Okay. All right. What's next, Lindsay? Sorry. No, that's it for Radio Tinder today. All righty, then. <laughs> Wait, right, let me say that in my Michael Jackson voice. That's it for Radio Tinder today. Nicely done. <laughs> Radio Tinder, By the way. George. Uh, you're I gotta make to sure people your, know. Your, te- your tequila mandala people, my man. Yeah, I got to tell them about it real quick. Uh, Radio Tinder is presented by our new friends and sponsors. Well, they're now my old friends at this point. Tequila Mandala. Always swipe swipe right on Tequila Mandala. Award-winning small batch, premium sipping tequila, made from the finest mature agaves, and of course available everywhere where fine tequilas are sold. Visit tequilamandala.com and make sure to demand the extraordinary. With Tequila Mandala. You want to take us to break there, Cappy? Absolutely. On the way, let's talk about what's going on with the Dodgers as they open at home tonight against Cincinnati. Our Dodger insider, Blake Harris, will join us next. This is Sedano and Cap on 710 ESPN. Come on, Cap. You don't know this one? Oh, dude, I love this song. I sense something rain in my mind. Don't, doesn't it sound like I know the words? No. I haven't doesn't. heard this song in a long time. <laughs> Feeling it. Sedano and Cap on 710 ESPN. George, you uh you you introduced us a couple weeks ago to Blake Harris, who has turned into the Dodger insider of this show. Oh, he is, that's correct. We have we are very lucky to have Blake Harris, or as you like to call him. Balake. Yes. Yes. So feel free to introduce him since you're in control today. I can't be in go. control with my uh, random setup I have here from this hotel room today. All right. Well, uh, hey, Laura, you tell us when Balake Harris, he's ready. He's ready to go. Okay, here he is. Here is the official Dodger insider of the Sedano and Cap show on 710 ESPN. I know it's official because it's on his Twitter handle bio. Yes. Balake or Blake to some Harris. Blake, good afternoon. Welcome back. How you doing, man? Doing fantastic, guys. Yeah, ever since uh, last week's show, everywhere I go now in public, it's uh, Balake everywhere. So I uh, got to blame Scott on that one because uh, Blake is no more. <laughs> well, there well, you listen, go. I'm glad. It's like, it, it, George, it's what I call guys. If, if you know a guy named Aaron, you call him A-A-Ron, right? A-A-Ron. Don't you do that? Uh, not really, but yeah. I mean, I, I, I did watch Key and Peele, too, yes. Okay, sure. so Balake, A-A-Ron. Blake Harris is here. Blake. Uh, yeah. I, I believe some people feel uh, Dave Roberts balockade uh, Clayton Kershaw's perfect game. Did they not? Yeah. I mean, this is like the most controversial decision, like in baseball the last decade, it seems. I'm still trying to figure things out. I was listening to what you guys were saying earlier, and I am also kind of shocked that, you know, more than 24 hours later, it's still getting the attention it is. I mean, Clayton Kershaw. He was asked about it again today uh, while speaking with the media, even though we spoke yesterday. You know, as fans of baseball, you know, as a Dodger fan, of course, you know, you hate to see it. It's so rare that 
you know, we see a perfect game. I think there's only been 23 perfect games in baseball history. So it's not every year you get to see one, let alone one of the best pitchers of our generation, you know, on the verge of throwing one. So it really did, really did hurt seeing him come out. But again, you know, you got to take into account, it was a shortened spring uh, back in January. Clayton Kershaw hadn't even thrown a ball yet. He didn't even know if he was going to pitch this year. You got to be careful with that arm. He's dealt with injuries, you know, over the last few years. It's going to be a long season, and, you know, he said multiple times the reason he came back to Los Angeles was to win a World Series. You know, he's already thrown the no-hitter. He's already accomplished everything a pitcher can accomplish at the big league level. So, you know, deep down, I'm sure he would have loved to add the perfect game. But, you know, it's tough to admit, but it was ultimately the smart move for Clayton Kershaw and uh, for Dave Roberts to make. Do you feel like, Blake, that Kershaw – is just kind of being a good team guy and doesn't want to, you know, make himself seem selfish and that he he actually really did want to go back in or do you feel the other way which is no he he could have he could have argued but he he didn't. I mean, he seemed very content with the decision. How do you feel like like Kershaw was was playing this? Yeah, that's what's so interesting about this is that based on just his body language from the post-game interview yesterday and the post-game interview today, I just get the feeling that he would have wanted to finish it. I think he's fully on board with knowing that it was the right decision, protecting his arm. But, I mean, he was, you know, just really sad yesterday for Austin Barnes. It sounded like he really wanted him to have a perfect game under his belt. Today he was, like, personally apologizing to the fans. So I think, you know, he admitted that his stuff was starting to slow down near the end. And, again, I I think he knew at the back of his mind this is the smart decision. And I'm sure, again – and speaking with Dave Roberts, he earned the right to pretty much let him know how he's feeling. I really do think Clayton Kershaw, you know, if this was just one or two more starts down the road, he would have 100% not even questioned coming out of the game. But, you know, again, it's it's one of those things where he knows you can't risk something like this. you got to play it smart. But I do think deep down, I, I really think he wanted to stay in that game because he knows just how special this would have been. Especially, again, if this was a no-hitter, I don't think he necessarily would have cared. But this is the perfect game we're talking about, which I think the last one was 10 years ago. Um, I I really honestly don't think that, you know, he really wanted to come out. Yeah, I don't I don't think he wanted to come out either, but I think he knew he, he knows his body. I think. Yeah, I, I feel like he knows his body. Blake Harris is here. He is the Sedano and Cap uh, Dodger insider. George, you were just about to say when I interrupted. Excuse me. Yeah, it's OK, pal. Uh, Julio Urias. I was a bit disappointed in his start in Colorado. It it felt like his velocity wasn't there. Uh, Should we be concerned at all about that? Or do you think that's just a truncated spring? Yeah, a lot of people, you know, after that start were immediately, you know, going to his VLO numbers compared to last year. I believe he was about three miles an hour uh, below what he was last year. And I'm not going to get too concerned, you know, this early on because, again, we have to remember it was a shortened spring. Right now would be, you know, the fourth or fifth week of spring training, so the regular season wouldn't even be here yet. Um, but, you know, it, it isn't something you like to see because anytime a pitcher, you know, you see, their, you see their velocity decrease a little, that's usually not a good sign and that's concerning. So I'm going to give him a few more starts, continue to build that arm up. Um, he said following the game, Dave Roberts said following the game, it was, you know, nothing major. It had to do with pitching at Coors Field. Again, it had to do with his arm not fully being built up yet. But definitely something to keep an eye on moving forward because, you know, like I mentioned, being down three miles per hour from your normal ticket velocity is uh, not usually an encouraging sign whatsoever. Yeah, well, again, I think the whole, the way Urias pitched 
is why I really think Dave Roberts had to be thinking to himself, Clayton, come on, man. I mean, who knows what we've really got here, especially in the early part of the season. Hey, Blake, before you roll, real quick, I'm curious. Give me a, an opinion here on Cody Bellinger through the first five games because all eyes will be on him when he's hitting. we got about a minute to go. What do you say? I've been pleasantly surprised. I mean, especially the last few games, his hit a home run, some extra base hits. He's been really seeing the ball well. I think has four or five walks over the course of the last few games. I think he has like the fourth highest OPS on the Dodgers through the first five games. Granted, it's been a week, but I've really liked what I've seen from him. I think the results are going to be there. And again, compared to what other Dodger hitters have been doing so far, not name Austin Barnes, um, he's actually been one of the more encouraging hitters. So I've definitely liked what I've seen from Cody Bellinger out there. And he seems to be gaining confidence as the season's going along as well. I love OPS talk. I love it. <laughs> Cap probably doesn't even know what that means. He probably, you know, who knows what he thinks it means. What do you think it means, Cap, OPS? Other people's stuff? No. Close. Yeah. I mean, you're close, <laughs> right? Very close. Yeah, very close. I mean, you got Not OPP. Really, but... Yeah, you, you o- know me. OPS. Yeah, yeah. On-base plus uh, slugging. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh, I yeah. thought it was other people's stuff. Got it. No. Uh, no hey, Blake, no. you know what OGFR stands for? Oh, God. I don't know. I feel like that might have been something either the, the kids are saying nowadays or something before my time, and I'm just right in the middle. So, uh, yeah, well, it's on God no. for real. On God for real. And here's here's the deal. we got to hit this break. Don't go anywhere. Here comes the 6 o'clock hour. It's Sedano and Cap on 710 ESPN. Great job, Blake. See you, Blake. No, no worries. Thanks, guys.